I want to tell everybody at home, I'm so glad to see you. Uh, I can't see you right now, but I will see you in the very future. And so I'm just uh, greeting you in advance. So, but you do get to see me. You ever wonder what the preacher talks about right before the service or moments before the service? I will give you an insight. It's, but I've got to give you a warning. It's like really super spiritual, okay? Uh, just a while ago, I was talking to Steve Allen back there. Uh, wave at everybody, Steve. Of course, you guys at home can't see him, but um, he's got a really nice haircut, and uh, he's just a great guy. So uh, me and Steve were talking just earlier, right before service, and he said, George, when you were walking up there a while ago, because of the color of your sleeves and the way your shirt is cut, and you know, I'm darker skinned, kind of an exotic look, but you know, what have you. Um, he said, it looks and appears like you were wearing a muscle shirt. So I wanted those of you at home that may be watching this on camera, on Facebook, that this is not a muscle shirt. This is a full sleeve shirt, and so uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I love Craig Rochelle. He's one of my favorite preachers and teachers, but have you ever noticed when he's teaching, like he, this dude is stacked. If you don't, if you don't know Craig Rochelle, you can look him up online, but he's, he's, he's got, his arms are really muscular and everything, and whenever he's talking, he's like, like this, and flexing all the time. But if I had arms like that, I'd probably do it too. <laughs> so that's what preachers talk about right before service. <laughs> Muscle shirts. What do you really like to do? All of us would, uh, would probably have something different to say. Oh, I have many, many different interests. If you were watching on the video last Wednesday night, um, whenever me and Rick and Carlin were having a discussion, one of the things that I said, what was it I said? I like to give my opinion. Yeah. I really like to do that. So. But uh, no, there's many different things that I really, really like to do. But uh, go ahead and put the title up there, guys. Or uh, Becky. I couldn't see who was back there. I could see it was the top of your forehead. What do you really like to do? What is... Your passion. Now, don't be, uh, don't be, don't overevaluate the title here yet till we get into it. Um, I will start off with saying two years ago, I, um, I really like evaluating situations. That's one of my things that I really like to do too. And uh, I know that's, if, if I asked each one of you individually and said, what do you really like to do? Most of you guys probably wouldn't say I like to evaluate situations. That's just me, I'm kind of quirky. Two years ago, I got the opportunity to go visit this church in Carmel, Indiana. It's called Northview. And uh, me and Rick had the pleasure to get to go there one time for a conference. And we were just really, really impressed with the building and everything. And um, they super, super uh, big church and one of the neatest communities. Um, and I got to, what it was, was I had the opportunity to go on a conference, but I thought instead of going on a conference, I would learn more if I just went and visited the church 
in person to see what they're really like and to go to a regular Sunday morning service and, um, and then on Monday possibly get to visit with some of the staff or take a tour. And so I was able to do that. And um, it was a great church experience on Sunday. On Monday, I had scheduled a tour, and the campus pastor was going to give me a tour. And so we, me and my wife was there. We had a great time. The guy was just, me and him just really hit it off. And um, he was just kind of this... Uh, Really cool vibe guy, a free-spirited. He had a real long ponytail, and I was like, I had an immediate connection with him because I used to have a long ponytail. And we were just hitting it off, and I don't know if he thought I was trying to get a job there, which I was not, because this is my home. Um, but I was there as a, I guess maybe a spy, to see how they're doing things, you know. And um, he said... Uh, he said, uh, you know, we're, we're always looking for, for different staff people and stuff. And, and for those of you that know me, you know that I like to really, really, oh, uh, not really give people a hard time, but see how far I can push things. And I said, oh, there's no way you'd ever hire me. He goes, oh, why not? And I said, because uh, he had told me where he had went to school and everything um, for his theology degree and everything. And I said, well, I don't, I don't have a degree. And he goes, oh, you, you don't have a bachelor's degree? No, uh, high school. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't graduate high school. <laughs> I said, I got a GED. But I said, I went to community college for a while. But uh, anyway, he goes, oh, no, no, that's, that's, he goes, what are you good at? What do you like to do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm really not good at anything. I said, I, I, I'm, I'm not a very good preacher, and I'm, I'm not the best teacher, and I said, I guess I, I'm pretty good at evaluating situations. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. And we had this little awkward silence for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, he sa I said, uh, you probably got a master's in theology. And he goes, eh, a doctorate's. <laughs> and I said, oh, you went all the way. <laughs> Really, really cool guy. We really hit it off, had a great time, had a great tour and everything. But what do you really, really like to do? Where is your passion at? Um, I've got just maybe a couple of things that I'm really passionate about. Um, let me give you one of the definitions. Well, there, there's actually five different definitions that I had listed on here. There was many, whenever I looked it up online, on, and this was through Merriam-Webster's dictionary. You know, the first thing in, in, under Merriam-Webster, it said, under passion, it said, the sufferings of Christ between the night of the Last Supper and his death. I thought, that's pretty awesome that that's one of the first definition, isn't it? One of the, ne the next one that I had listed on here was an intense driving or overmastering feeling of conviction. That's pretty, pretty great too. It kind of goes hand in hand with the first one, doesn't it? The third one was ardent affection. Now, 
I'm really good friends with Aaron and Marvin, but I mean, I don't know if you would describe it as ardent affection. <laughs> We're great buds. But so, but yeah, that's a, yeah, he said that'd be a little uncomfortable. So we're getting in here more into a different type of relationship. The next one was a strong liking or desire for or devotion to some activity, object, or concept. What is your passion? What is it that you really, really, really drives you? Um, the last one is um, an object of desire or deep interest. Now, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to get worried. This is not a sex talk, okay? Anytime I say the word sex in, in church, people are like, oh, what, what did he say? They just woke up. It's not that, and it's not really about husbands and wives. But I guess while we're talking about husbands and wives, do you remember the first time that you met each other? Now, uh, not everything's always been love at first sight, but, well, well, let's not get into that, Marvin, but, (laughs) 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 that first electricity of whenever you saw each other and everything, the first time that you got to know each other, you know, this is more about getting to know each other, right? for you to build up any type of a lasting type of a relationship. Uh, Sometimes as we get into a relationship, it's like things can become routine, can't they? No matter what type of a relationship, whether it's a work relationship, husbands and wives, coming to church, It can become routine, can it not? Have we lost that loving feeling? (laughs) For those of you that don't know, that was an old uh, song by the Righteous Brothers. You've lost that loving feeling. I won't, don't worry, I won't quit my day job. Sometimes it, life does get routine. Are you passionate about your relationship with Christ as you once were? Or if you don't know who God is, maybe you've never reached that state where you were passionate about your relationship with Him. As a teenager, I'll never forget... Um, I was like 13, 14, and um, youth group, so I gave my life to Christ at youth group, and um, then uh, a few weeks later, we went to this youth convention. Oh, it was great. We'd never been to anything like that. And it's like, I'm up, we're up there in Springfield, Illinois at the convention center. And uh, we were staying in the big round hotel there at Springfield and um, doing all kinds of uh, really fun stuff. And we go to the service and the 
the speaker there, he was like, you know, he's like over the top, you know, you know, like all youth pastors are, you know, it's over the top. And he's like, do you want to give your life to Christ? And like, uh, and all his kids are like, yes, 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 we want that. And uh, he's like, you know, we was all rushing to the altar and, and everything. And the, the stadium is, is flooded with hundreds and maybe even a few thousand kids, you know, rushing up there. And we're like, you know, I give you everything, God. I give you my all and, and everything. You know, I love you. And we just had this real passion about us for Christ. And it was just like, you know, we were stupid. You know, we were just kids. We didn't know nothing. But that was probably to our favor that we didn't know anything. We just knew that God provided a savior and we were the sinner. And... Um, it was just like this really unspoiled faith that we had. That was a real passion for what God was doing in our lives. But through the process of maturing and through the process of um, being able to learn the right way to do things and all the different uh, um, Rules and regulations, uh, sometimes things can get lost. Now, rules and regulations are good, and they help to keep us in line. They help to provide us those guardrails in life. But yet, through routineness, sometimes we can lose our passion. Can we not? I'm the interim pastor and the associate pastor, and there's times whenever I even feel like I lose my passion for what I'm doing. Now, the title of the message is Passion Over Perfect, and I told you not to read too much into this yet. The word perfect. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, it says, Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Man, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? For God to be asking us to be perfect. Well, let's look a little more into that word perfect. The Greek translation for the word perfect is teleos. The definition of it is having reached its end, complete, full-grown, of full age, especially of the completeness of Christian character. And here's a paraphrased version, becoming what you were intended for. Well, now I can understand that word perfect just a little better. And I can kind of understand where God is telling us that we need to try to be perfect. He's not saying you have to be flawless or you're not going to make it. He's not saying, well, if you aren't flawless, then you fall short. He's saying, I want you to become what you were intended for. I want you to come to complete maturity and fullness. You know, um, I have did a, a few funerals in the last few months. and In the last two weeks, I'm doing two. And I have to say, those Christian individuals are perfect. 
not in the sense that we always think of as flawless, but what God had, they became what God has intended them for, to be followers of Christ, to reach out to others. So the word perfect, or sometimes we can use it as not just an adjective or an adverb, but we use it as a verb, to perfect. God wants us to perfect what we're doing. And sometimes as Christians, we look at the word perfect and we think of it as a dirty word because we think, well, nobody can be perfect. There was only one perfect, and that is true. But we can become to the maturity in Christ, the fullness of what God wants us to be, to become what we were intended for. Does that make sense? Now I can understand that word a little better. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42, you can turn there on your Bibles or phones or whatever technology you have. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and 40, 38 through 42, this is a story about Martha and Mary, and most of, most of you know this story. Um, isn't that funny that we now tell people to turn to their phones and look up scripture? This technology is something else, isn't it? Even God takes debit card now. <laughs> All right. At the home of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41 says, and this, so whenever I read this, 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 these two words here, I used to read it as, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. But I have come to read this as, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You know, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, this is such a classic story, isn't it? Here you got two sisters. You know, we presume that Martha is older than Mary. And Mary seems like the type that, oh, great, yeah, you're in there enjoying sitting with Jesus, but somebody has got to stir these mashed potatoes and these chicken and noodles. <laughs> hey, I've been there. I've been Martha. You know, I am Martha. Well, I mean, like that. You know, somebody's got to do the work, right? But Jesus is not telling her, shirk off responsibilities. He is not telling her, do not plan and do not take care of things. He's telling her, Martha, come on. I'm not going to be, and you know, he knows, I'm not going to be here with you always in the flesh like this. This is your opportunity to take in everything that I can tell you right now. 
And right now, the most important thing is for you to be right here with me right now, face to face, in the flesh, in person, up close and personal. And Mary's doing that. And yeah, we could read into this story and look at all different angles. And, you know, uh, Mary, Mary probably should have started helping Martha, you know, before. But the situation is at hand. And it's that closeness and that relationship that Jesus is seeking with both of those women right then and right now. Jesus was in the house in the flesh. And we have a great system here at church, I believe. We have different processes and different programs and different services and different ways that we do things. And I am 100% in support of those. But if we lose ourselves to the process instead of the person of who Jesus is, we will lose our passion. The process and the systems is important and the passion of what we are actually doing here and why we're doing it one is not actually over the other. They're like two pedals on a bicycle working hand in hand. The passion needs the process and the process pushes the passion. God is, he's so much smarter than us, isn't he? Because we think of things on a, uh, on like a linear line that's just a straight line, you know, we just information, information. But God looks at things as such a big hole in so many more dimensions than what we can imagine. Don't lose your passion for what you really love to do in life. Don't lose your passion for your spouse. Teenagers, you need no passion. You need no passion, teenagers, okay? No passion. Do not lose your passion for Christ. Amen. Jesus is alive and within us and with us today. And he wants you to have this closeness and this relationship to where we are at his feet. We're not so busy and letting the process overtake us because right now we need him more than ever. If the musicians would come. And I want to thank the worship team for all they do. Walt, that second song where you ran down them toms on the drums, man, every young kid, every young boy always dreamed of being a drummer in a rock and roll band. 
whenever John Meyer's on the drums and he's running down those toms, it's just like the old Hawaii Five-O theme song, just It's a passion, yes. Don't lose your passion. You want passion in your life? Look for Jesus, the person. Not just the stories that we read. And so God's word, what is written in here is his own words. This is one of the ways that God communicates with us, right? His word is perfect and we absolutely is an important part of us developing our passion for him. But don't just let it be a story in a book. This, what is written in here, is alive. And this will help us to have that face-to-face personal relationship with who he is. If you want passion in your life, look for Jesus. And you say, well, what does that even mean, looking for Jesus? Whenever you read the Bible, look for Jesus. Whether you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you look for Jesus. Whether you're in 1 Samuel, you look for Jesus in there. Whether you're in Genesis, you look for Jesus, and you'll find him. Get interested in who he is. I want that fire back in my life, just like whenever I was a 13, 14 year old kid at youth convention, I'm like, yes, I'll do anything. God send me to Africa. Uh, Maybe not Africa, but (laughs) yes, don't you want that in your life to where you're like screaming at the top of your lungs that we love you, Lord, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you want. Just call me, call me, tell me what to do, and I'll follow. I want that passion of who he is, not just in my life. I want that in your lives. You want passion in your marriage? Get interested in who your spouse is. Get to know, spend time getting to know who they are. And renew that passion in your marriage. Passion over perfect, I don't think it's just a one or the other deal. Or it's a one against the other deal. I think it's the pedals on a bicycle. One pushing the other. And us getting the job done for Christ. If you all would please stand. If you've never given your life to Christ and you say, George, man, I just want that passion within me. I want to know who Jesus is. If you're here in the building, I would want you to just come on down and talk to me, talk to Rick, and we're going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you're at home or you're watching this later on the screen, just ask, just ask Jesus to reach out and to save you, and he's going to embrace you with everything that he has. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved.
Lord, I just give you my life today. Pray with me, Lord, I give you my life today. Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Lord, I don't know anything or I know very little, but I want you to be the utmost passion in my life. Come into my life and save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you just got saved, whether you're sitting in here or whether you're at home. And uh, if you would, send me a message or come up and tell me and Rick. And we'd love to just follow up with you and help to make disciples and to, to come alongside you to help to build that burning desire for Christ. If you need a renewed passion in your life, we're going to open these altars up to you. If you need healing and you feel comfortable, come up and we'll pray for you as well.